My name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Gars Marvel. This is the podcast that looks at all of the early adventures of the Marvel superheroes, exploring the early days of the Marvel Universe in the order that the comics were released. And we are this episode celebrating some sort of milestone achievement. July 1963 is a huge month for Marvel. Last episode, we saw the debut of the X-Men. The episode before that, we saw the first uh, annual of the Fantastic Four. This episode, we're going to start. We're going to start off the episode with another debut, and that is the Avengers. Yeah, wow, we're here, Mike. We're at the Avengers. This is it. You know, the X Men kind of ruined the Marvel and- Universe, but the Avengers make it great again. <laughs> and you and I were talking about how, you know, we rank the teams, you know, as uh, far as our favorites. And uh-huh. I said, I like the X-Men more than the Avengers. Do you like the Avengers more than the X-Men then? My favorite superhero team is, at least in the Marvel Universe, is definitely the Avengers. Yeah. Gotcha. No problem there. They're definitely the big hitters. They're definitely the A-listers. They're the, um, the, they're, X- they're the JLA. Yeah. Yeah. And they're the first team that Marvel has done that follows the pattern of the JLA. They, that, they are the first supergroup. Yeah, they're bringing superheroes that are already established into a team. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, of course, is what the Justice League of America did. But the Fantastic Four and the X-Men did not. Which kind of makes the FF and the X-Men cool in a way, because it's usually the other way around. You pick characters that already have a, a following of some kind and band them together. Uh, and with the X-Men and the uh, Fantastic Four, you'll sometimes do a book that focuses on a solo character. Mm-hmm. But generally speaking, you're reading those teams. Whereas so, yes. the Avengers, the Avengers, you're reading their solo stories and also their team book. So here's a weird thing I was thinking about the other day, a long, long time ago, actually. When you first got me into explaining the X-Men, I was thinking about it. But, like, if you're an X-Men fan... Then you're depending on how you collect comics, you have to collect a lot of comics because the X Men is like the foundation of your upside down, you know, uh, pyramid, right? Mm-hmm. Like everything stems from that, and you could say the same thing about the FF too, but they only have four characters mostly. But the X Men, it's like all that stuff is spinoff. Everything they do, whereas with Avengers, it's like you might like Hulk, but you don't have to read like every Avenger book ever. You just have to read Hulk. And if he's in the Avengers, you can read that too if you want. Whatever. It's right. much it's much harder, I imagine, to collect and be a an X-Men fan. And with the X-Men, like, you know, in, in the later decades, or like recent decades, whenever the it's it's ballooned so much, mm-hmm. you know, they have so many characters that you get your favorites and you get your you get your relationships that you really like. Yeah. And then it's a matter of where are those characters appearing? Mm-hmm. And Maybe you were read a book that had five people on a team and you fell in love with all five of those people. And then three years later, there's a shakeup with the lineups. And now your five people are in three different books. Yeah. I wonder how often it is that you become a fan of an individual X-Men versus just the X-Men as a concept. Right. Versus um, like, where, like the Avengers, like you could easily be just an Iron Man fan. Right. You know, friend of the show, Jason Venable, has the podcast that goes Snick. He's a big Wolverine fan. Uh-huh. Um, now, besides the fact that Wolverine is everywhere. Right. You do have Wolverine is in his own series, and he's in the X-Men book, and he's in another X-Men book. So, you know, we're all – if you're going to focus on that one character, uh, well, try not to choose one that's so ubiquitous. But he does have several places that he's appearing. Whereas Thor, if I were just reading Thor for Thor, and I found out that Thor was in the Avengers – 
I could read the Avengers and Thor, and I would have all I need. Yep. Um, the Avengers could be like a supplemental story to to um, my Thor series. Now, that's, speaking of Thor, that said, I you, we we might be able to argue, and we'll find out. We'll be the authorities on this. Um, sometimes I think a lot of these guys in Avengers are way cooler in Avengers than they are in their solo books. Yes, I think that is definitely a phenomenon we can talk about, and I think. Um, that that's that there's kind of one character in this particular uh, issue that outshines the others. And we'll yeah. talk about that as we go along. Um, and because very much like the first Avengers film, this is a Thor and Loki story. Yeah, as we'll talk about later. There's a lot of commonality between this and the Avengers film. Okay, the Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Superheroes: Thor, Ant Man, Hulk, and Iron Man. And and we didn't, we don't get a mention on the cover of the fifth Avenger, <gasps> the Wasp. Wow. But she is on it. She is on the cover. She's not in the corner box. No. But she is on the cover page. She's on the cover page. When it, uh, the, uh, or the, uh, like the splash, the f- page one splash, whenever they give us the rundown of the um, roster again, it does say Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay. The coming of the Avengers, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. Um, Jack Kirby has been saving his pennies for this issue. When he hasn't, when he when he gave up other books earlier in the year, I like to think this is what he was doing. He was doing this. He was doing X Men, and he was doing the annual and Sergeant Fury and Sergeant Fury. Okay, um, Loki is on the Isle of Silence. It's not where we last saw him, but at some point he's been banished here. And on the Isle of Silence, um, he wants revenge on Thor because Thor is the reason that he's there. Now, Loki has the power to send his eyeballs across <laughs> the void to look at the world around him. Uh-huh. And we've talked about this in previous issues, how, like, if you can look at the world and affect things from far away, then imprisoning you doesn't really do a whole lot. Yeah. Well, that's what he does. He's, he's out there causing mischief from afar with the remote control eyeballs. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees Thor's alter ego, Don Blake, treating some children in his office. He's like, okay. What can I do to Thor from here? I know. I'm going to go find the other strongest person on the planet, the Hulk. And I'm going to send the Hulk after Thor. So he goes to the Hulk to get the Hulk's attention. Um, no, I know what it is. He's going to, uh, he, he has this plot to make the Hulk look bad. And he's going to send Thor after the Hulk, not the other way around. So... There's this train trestle bridge, and Loki makes this image of dynamite appear on the tracks. And so the Hulk, who's like flying through the air, you know, supermaning around, he looks down and he's like, oh my gosh, there's dynamite. I'm Hulk. I'll smash it. So he goes down, he smashes the dynamite, smashes the train track, smashes the bridge, and the dynamite wasn't even there. So this train's coming, and Hulk sticks his head and is like, oh no, train. And he picks up the tracks well enough for the train to roll over, and the people driving the train are like, why did the Hulk smash our tracks? We almost died. And um, so he goes to the newspapers. newspaper like, Hulk smashes train. No one knows why. Oh, my gosh. And Rick Jones gets the newspaper. And he's like, Hulk smashed a train. I don't know why he would do that. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so Rick Jones decides he needs to find the Hulk. I guess he's lost track of him since the book was canceled. And he goes to his newly formed teen brigade. We're going to come back to that newly formed part. Uh, newly formed teen brigade says, hey. We got to find the Hulk. Let's send out a message to the Fantastic Four to help us find it. So he sends out the message and uh, Loki's like, ah, 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 didn't say the magic word. Ah, ah, ah. 
and he redirects the signal from the Fantastic Four building to um, Don Blake's radio. And Don Blake hears, hey, the Hulk's on the loose. I need help finding him. Come meet us. Signed, the Teen Brigade. And Loki's like, uh, Don Blake's like, okay, turn to Thor, go help the kids, find the Hulk. Hulk's got to be stopped. He's dangerous. Sounds like a good plan. Um, other people hear the message. Henry Pym and Janet hear the message and they hop in their catapults and hop onto some flying ants and fly um, to the Southwest to meet the Teen Brigade. And Tony Stark, uh, he's just checking out his armor. He gets the message, puts on his armor, and he flies across the country to the Southwest United States to meet the Teen Brigade. And all of these people arrive at the same time. It's Thor, it's Iron Man, it's Ant-Man and the Wasp. And the Teen Brigade's like, oh my gosh, all these heroes are in our house. And um, what else? Oh yeah, so they're talking about how they need to capture the Hulk. Uh, Thor looks outside and he sees the Hulk. He's like, not going to bother these guys. Hulk's right there. I'll just go get him. We'll be done. So he leaves. He goes out. He attacks the Hulk. It's not the Hulk. It's an image of the Hulk because Loki's doing his whole mirage thing that Thor throws his hammer through and it turns out not to be real. Turns out where the Hulk really is, the Hulk is pretending to be a robot. He's pretending to be a robot wearing circus makeup. The Hulk is pretending to be a robot wearing circus makeup, <laughs> performing in the circus. So that's a thing. And um, Ant-Man and the Wasp fly to the circus and they get the idea to have the ants crawl underneath where the Hulk is performing uh, to break up the ground underneath so the Hulk will fall into the ground. Um, the Ant-Man directs, you know, he, he tries to talk into a microphone. Hey, Hulk. Um, we just want to talk. And Hulk's like, Psh, you just attacked me, dude. I do not want to talk to you. So the Ant-Man tells the ants to go and get this giant steel canister. So the ants are like, okay, giant steel canister. We're tiny ants. We can do this. And they carry the giant steel canister up to the top of the big top. And they dump it over the Hulk. And the Hulk's like inside a giant steel canister. He hates that. And um, the wasp goes to distract him. Hulk knocks her out really quickly. And that's the only thing she does in this issue. Um, Hulk tries to fly away and Ant-Man can't pursue him. So Iron Man does hand off the title to Iron Man. Now Iron Man flies after the Hulk and they fight in the air and he keeps on following in. And Thor's like, okay, um, you know what? I think Loki's behind this. So I'm going to go talk to my dad. So he goes to Asgard. Hey dad. Yes, my son. Can I go fight Loki? Yes, my son. But I can't help you because you're both my sons. Even though I love you more. Um, <laughs> I can't help you fight Loki. I understand, Father. And uh, he goes to the Isle of Silence. Loki sees him coming, sends all of these booby traps against him. But Lo uh, Thor dodges them all, finally confronts Loki. And Loki's like, okay, fine. You know what? It's the Isle of Silence. Do you know why it's the Isle of Silence, Thor? It's not because we have to be silent. I'm talking to you right now. No, it's because underneath the ground are trolls. And the trolls are silent. Therefore, it's the island of silence. It's like a pun. Get it? It's almost like silent is a plural and not a noun. Anyways, um, so... Uh, <laughs> Thor and Loki are doing their thing. And um, I think Thor finally gets the better of Loki and takes him back to Earth. While that's happening, Iron Man confronts the Hulk in a tire factory. And that doesn't go well. They knock out the wall of the tire factory. Thor shows up with Loki. He's like, hey, we don't have to fight. It's all Loki's fault. And Loki's like, ha ha, I'm radioactive. And he shines and, and everyone's like, oh no, he's radioactive. 
And then suddenly they're not outside the tire factory anymore. They're in like the dungeon of a nuclear factory or something. Cause they have this place where all the nuclear ra- radioactive waste gets to, to deposit it and they throw Loki into it. And um, then Loki's gone. He like disappears or something and they're done. They're like, okay, well that was fun. Hey Hulk. Sorry, man. Hulk's like, it's okay, bro. Want to be on a team together? I'm like, yeah, let's be on a team together. We can fight more bad guys. Another issue. And Jan's like, hey, 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 guys. Hey, guys. Hi. I'm the Wasp, and I'm really awesome. I haven't done that much this issue because the guy who's writing it is, is you know, not that progressive. But um, can I name the team? And they're like, sure. Let's let the Wasp name the team. And the Wasp is like, I'm going to call them the Avengers. And they're like, that's the best name ever. And she's like, yeah, I got it off the cover of the comic book. It was pretty great. So the end. <laughs> Did you ever read the uh, the Mark Wade? Like it was in Secret Origins that 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 comic, and they like redid the JLA Secret Origins, not Secret Origins, mm-hmm. the origin. And in the end, they're I like, I don't think so. And they're like, in the end, what should we call ourselves? And someone says, the Avengers. And then they're like, what? He's like, you know that that John Steed guy show. Or whatever. <laughs> They're like, no, that sounds dumb. Or something like that. I don't know. It kind of had the same sense as this scene here at the end. It's kind of funny. That is funny. Uh, I have not I have not read that. It's pretty cool. It has Superman in it, so you will read it someday, I guess. But I will, uh, I will someday get there. He's in one panel. Uh, well, he didn't form the team, so whatever. Not that version. So Avengers. This is about- Forget this, DC. Yeah. Why did I bring up DC just now? That was silly. Anyway. I don't know. Oh, that was going to say, you mentioned how Justice they get their name. Whenever I think of the Justice they getting their name, I always think of Michael Bailey uh, talking about how the Justice Society and Justice League got their names because uh, they did a series, a podcast we're all called Tales of the Justice Society of America. And in the promo, it's like, yeah, I know that league sounds more like a baseball team. I effing hate baseball. So, you know, there you go. Um <laughs> So anyways, that's what I think of Justice League of America getting their name. Well, <clears throat> since we're talking about their name, what do you think of their name? Because like now, of course, they're the Avengers and we're just used to it and it's the Avengers. But like, I don't know. Sometimes people argue, why are they called the Avengers? Who are they avenging? Especially in this issue, if you read it, like in the end, it's just like, we avenge. But, you know, avenge what? Each other? Because they only fought themselves. So... You know, it's obviously just a fun-sounding name, but is it a is it a great, yeah? I don't know. Is it a great um, name? Is it a great name for a superhero team? The Avengers. It sounds powerful. I like the name. Mm-hmm. I guess bad guys are always hurting somebody, right? So I guess it so, works. Yeah. So you're standing up. You know, you're fighting back on behalf of someone who's. But sometimes, really, and really, a lot of the time, the bad guys are just fighting you. Because that's how superhero <laughs> comics work. Right. They exist because of you half the time. Right. Loki, this entire story, Loki only exists because he's angry at Thor. Mm-hmm. And once so. again, his big plan to make Donald turn into Thor and come to Asgard to get his butt beat again. Just like yeah, he, he did. Yeah, he lost that fight. Well, and remember that other issue where he stole his hammer? Right, with the uh, Uru magnet or whatever. But even that issue was like, he still invited him to come up and interact with him, where he could have just left him there to die. I can't even remember what the scenario was now, but something like he could have just left him on Earth to die, but instead he had him come to Asgard where he could be Thor without his hammer. I like how movie Loki has learned at some point in the past that he'll never beat Thor in a battle of strength. Mm-hmm. Like, 
if he wants the best story, he's going to have to be something a little bit more creative than just a toe-to-toe punch fest. Yeah. So, so you mentioned the uh, the floaty eye things. I actually think that was kind of a cool visual. Um, no, it is cool. I, I, I was ribbing it, but it, it's one of the most iconic things about this issue. Yeah, and they've never done it that way before. So I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Um, we get Hulk again. How long has it been since we got to cover Hulk? Dude, the Incredible Hulk number six was episode fifteen, and we are on thirty. Thirty. Okay. And when we did when we did episode fifteen, I had already projected that this would be around episode thirty. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to take so long to get there, and it did. But here we are. And he's still kind of where we left him. Like he still kind of has the Bruce Banner brain, kind of, sort of, but he doesn't sound like Bruce Banner. He reminded me a lot of just the first issue Hulk. He's just yeah. he's just baseline Hulk again. Uh huh. We don't know how he changes because he doesn't change in this. We don't know what he's been doing. Has he just been hanging out in the desert trying to avoid people? Uh, it seems like he and Rick haven't seen each other in a while, maybe. Right. Because Rick's kind of like hanging out with his brigade and he has to hear about all this through a newspaper. So he wasn't there. Unless maybe they, you know, were hanging out yesterday and now he sees this is like, oh my gosh, no. So it is. It, it can be read either way, but it does say that the teen brigade is newly formed. Uh-huh. And we haven't read Incredible Hulk number six in a while. You know, what's weird is not weird, but he... If we recall how Incredible Hulk number six ended, he was like happily ever after walking away with Betty uh-huh. and maybe never changing again. So instead, they're just like, no, he's still the Hulk and he's in the desert and let's just not worry about it, which is fine. I wonder if they'll ever talk about the in-between this and that. Like what happened? Oh, that's a good question. Were there any stories that ever like filled in the gap between Hulk six and Avengers one? I assume there must be. Because from Avengers 1, Hulk is back in the Marvel Universe, and we basically get a narrative through line that more or less takes us to Tales to Astonish 60 a year from now. Because mm-hmm. we are this this uh this month counts starts a one year countdown to um that issue. I know there's so I, I, don't, I, don't, I know there's an Avengers one and a half. I'm not sure there's an Avengers half. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Avengers one and a half takes place after this one. Yeah, I'm gonna go to some websites and see if I can find some um, chronology while we talk. Um, so I think it's funny. I mean, it's cool. I like the visual of how uh, the floating eyed Loki like redirects the radio signal, and it pretty much. I, I assume it just goes local to like the entire city or anybody listening to the radio, and not just those specific people, because that'd be the worst move he'd ever make to like purposely only signal the most powerful people on earth at this point. Yeah, it is a weird choice. So I, mean, I don't think he did that. I think it was going to the FF. He's like, oh, I don't want them involved. So I'm just going to redirect a signal. And it looks like it just goes right through like Don Blake's regular old radio, um, which means everybody listening at that point could hear. So I thought it might have been funny if like in addition to Thor and Ant-Man and Wasp and Iron Man, like just some dude shows up. But uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like on Deadpool two. Yeah, exactly. What's his name? Peter. When yeah. Peter just walks in, I, I just, I just, I just heard the, the the radio broadcast. I just heard the broadcast. Try to help. Yeah. yeah. You guys need anything? I brought, okay. I brought cookies. Peter, you're in. <laughs> um, <laughs> for the record, on the Incredible Hulk's listing on ChronologyProject.com, which is a very simple text listing of chronology, mm-hmm. um, there is a whole buttload. Of Incredible Hulk continuity leading up to and during his 
six issue series. Oh, well, there you go. But between Inter- between Incredible Hulk six and Avengers one, there are two flashback stories. Yeah. Uh, so there's not a whole lot of story that's been filled in between last issue and this. Well, maybe that's all you need, though. Yeah, I don't know. Probably just need one. And maybe one. they just happen to happen there because they didn't fit better anywhere else. Or you just need that one adventure that explains how it all went wrong again. Yeah. Um, uh, but they're all in the same room at the same time for the first time. So that's kind of cool. And this is the first time that Thor and Iron Man have acknowledged the Marvel Universe. Okay. Well, Thor acknowledged it with that whole mutant line with Merlin. But that's all he's ever done. Iron Man has never done anything. Ant-Man, has he ever done anything? He he was in the Fantastic Four. No, the Fantastic Four had Ant-Man in it. Has Ant-Man ever had anything in his book? Oh, that's a different question. That's a good question. No. And Spider-Man has had Fantastic Four in his book, and he has referenced Ant-Man. Right. So it's like really Thor and Iron Man and Ant-Man are the hang-ups, and now they're all in this book. Yeah. But still not in their own book so far. And – Wait. I think that's less common to have other stuff in the solo books. I mean, the Fantastic Four appear in Spider-Man a lot. I'm not entirely sure why that is. I think there's like an edict that the Fantastic Four show up in Spider-Man regularly. Mm-hmm. But um, but no one is showing up in the Astonished Journey into Mysterious Suspense stories. <gasps> or Hulk. Or Hulk. Well, Hulk's dead. The, now the he's dead. dead. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I'm, they don't even need to show up. I would like to just see, like, Thor say something like, oh, I just got off a mission with the Avengers. There, bam. Now it's all connected, you know? Right. Let's just right. let's just have that. And I assume that's going to start happening. But Okay. Um, and, FF, so, and the FF are in this issue. Speaking of FF. Yeah. It feels like we're going to miss them because we get the signal redirected, but then they show up on page six. Good old Rick can just talk to the FF over the phone whenever he wants, I guess. That's kind of neat. And this issue, I think, does a good job of introducing all the characters and showing how they work. We see how Thor works. Mm -hmm. We see how Iron Man works. We see how Ant-Man works with the catapults. And this was more or less these first Avengers stories that I read in the Marvel Masterworks were my first exposure to a lot of these heroes, especially Uh Ant-Man. I think I had a Spidey annual where Ant-Man helped him get to the microverse, but... This is the first time where I like really remember getting to the character. So here, Jack Kirby has them once again riding on flying ants. Now, that's new to us as Ant-Man readers on this show, but it's a Jack Kirby creation. And, it, and to me, it's the it's the icon. It's what he does. He also has them in the catapult. Yes, the catapult. Which is funny because all this is going to go away very soon because Giant Man's coming. Um, and the wasp, like you mentioned in your summary, is like oh, so underused in this issue. And there's no reason for it. No, because like, she's, she's been pretty good in Ant-Man so far. Yeah, and this issue gives every hero a chance to shine, except the Wasp. She's just along for the ride with Henry. She, she barely has any lines. She pines over Thor. That's her whole role. Yeah, she does pine over Thor. But that, I mean, so did Maria uh, Hill. So, you know. No, I mean, it's not nothing wrong with it, but if that's all you're doing, that's like, oh, you got right. you got the woman part, I guess. Uh, you're right. If that's your only line, then that's kind of a terrible only line. I mean, it would make sense that Wasp, of all people, would notice a good-looking guy. But, uh, yeah, she can be a hero, too, at the same time. Um, Iron Man flying across the country. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh, that must have been so boring. All these guys, they fly from New York City, New York City, down to the Southwest. And it's like, oh... I wonder if Iron Man has transistor-powered reading material in his costume, in his armor. Well, he, he probably can go to sleep if he wants. 
It's interesting that he says he has solar. Oh, yeah. And I put it on autopilot. He has a solar power backup that's not as powerful as his, uh, I guess, transistor magnet version. But mm-hmm. but uh, he uses it for long flights, so it doesn't waste his chest battery, which is cool. And also, I liked the idea that Wasp is riding an ant, too, because Hank didn't want her to be all exhausted after two hours of flying. It did make me wonder about the ants getting exhausted, but I guess they could probably change out mounts <laughs> yeah, along the way. That's what I figured. Just change connecting flights. Right. Um, Thor is not a team player so far. No. I, I – spontaneously made that make a little bit of sense as I was synopsizing. Uh-huh. But when I read it, I wrote down Thor leaving alone makes zero sense. It's a funny panel. He's just like, hey, that's the Hulk out the window there. And then- That's the entire reason everyone's here. Everyone is here to stop the Hulk. Right. So why would he just like, I don't need to talk to everybody else. Maybe he's just full of hubris. Yeah. Being full of hubris is a very Thor move. Could be. And using hologram images or whatever you want to call them, the fake images of, of – of the Hulk and of himself later is a very Loki move. Very. And I love it because it's very movie Loki. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, so then we get to the circus bit. Right before the circus bit, though. Okay. Page nine, third panel. Uh-huh. Thor has disappeared. But don't worry, lad. I'm sure that uh, Ant-Man and I will be able to find the Hulk and learn the truth. And I just, I, I just hear a dash of sarcasm in Iron Man's voice. Also, Ant-Man and I and not Wasp. <laughs> Right. She'll she'll you just, think as a womanizer, he'd want to like play up Jan's role here. <laughs> he will love her eventually. Uh they're doing that again too. But you know, it's like, is she just the sidekick? Because I'm sure like in Batman comics, oftentimes they don't mention Robin who's also standing right there. You know? I don't know. It's it's unfortunate. I wish she was more respected, I guess. But Yeah, Jack Kirby has her in the panels. Yeah. But no He one's- could have given her more to do. Yes, but Stan could have given her more lines. Doesn't she poke Hulk at some point, or am I making that up? No, she gets blown um, blown away by a random <clears throat> bellow that he finds. Yeah, Ant-Man gives her a useless job. We've brought him out in the open. Now every second counts. Lure him under the trapeze net. I'll do the rest. And she says, don't let me down, Henry. I wouldn't want him for a permanent playmate. And she starts flying around his head, and he immediately grabs the bellows and whooshes her down. Never lures her under the trapeze net. The idea of him getting under the trapeze net is never followed up on. Um, it's just it's just done. And by the way, and Hank, when you're going to talk to the Hulk, don't attack him before you even get there. Right. Attacking people before you want to talk to them is a really good way to make them standoffish. It's so Marvel. Even if they're not Green Rage monsters. So Marvel. Any excuse to fight, right? Yeah. In my brain, the fact that the Hulk is in a circus here... I tend to get this book confused with issue three of his series. I did too. Which also had the circus. I did too. That's when I thought he was in the makeup, but they never did that. Right. You're like reading that book and like, when, when is it? When is he in the clown makeup? Is yeah. That happen? Yeah. So, so, really, so does that mean we don't, we never see Bruce Banner and Hulk is hanging out in a circus hiding. Does that mean he does not hide as Bruce Banner anymore? He's Hulk full time. Oh. That's a good question because I was wondering how this happened. Like he was whole, he was hopping around as the Hulk for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. He had the incident with the train, and everyone started hounding him. So instead of going back and turning into Bruce, which would have been his move in issue six, right? He goes and pretends to be a ro. I don't even know how this happens. <laughs> Did he just go to the circus like robot needs work? Right here is resume. <laughs> Contact 
references. <laughs> and how does he hatch his plan to pretend to be a robot? I don't know. How does he introduce himself if he's just a robot? Anyway. Right. He's uh, laying there. He sees people walking by. He, like, stiffens his arms and legs. And He's a robot. That's I, weird. I like the bit where, like, I don't know, Iron Man or Ant-Man, I guess, like, had the the net all ready to go to capture him so he couldn't jump up out of the tent but then he just takes the tent with him that's that's kind the of, entire tent that was pretty great that's cool visuals um and also the bit where hulk just like jumps down to the ground and then leaps back up and now he's behind iron man and then he just punches him in the chest and wins that was pretty cool too which means the hulk is very much flying here it does well iron man's pursuing the hulk and the hulk is going through the air straight enough that just landing on the ground and jumping back up again is an unexpected move and throws yeah. Iron Man off. Yeah, I don't know how he can he can purposely fall to the ground. You'd think he would just lose momentum and fall, but whatever. Yeah. Um, so, and here we come with pretty much what the whole book is about is Thor and Loki fighting. But Odin. This is just, our first glimpse of the new Kirby Odin. I was just going to say, Odin actually looks right now. He's glorious. And I think Thor is starting to talk like Thor. I mean, oh, he does say grant thy son permission. Yeah, but even outside of the Shakespeare stuff, he just seems a little more righteous in his speech in this right. entire in this entire fight. He doesn't sound like Donald Blake just going, you know, what's going on? He's like Tangle Roots, dreaded scourge of the swamps. Right. Have planted them here for unwary intruders. See, that doesn't sound like Donald Blake anymore. No, it doesn't. Oh, oh, it's exciting to see that he's, oh. Yeah. I'm so excited to get into some real Thor. Yeah. Um, the trolls were kind of cool. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it was a little weird that this, that's why we call this place the, you know, whatever of silence, but it's a neat design. Yeah, Lily and I had a fun time mocking that. Yeah, it's a neat design though. And, and uh, you know, it looks like a scary thing for a second until Thor just easily beats them because he's Thor, but. <laughs> um. Thor comics are replete with different kinds of trolls. Um, the silent ones are a particular type of troll. This isn't just all trolls. Uh, they do seem to live only under this one island. And way, way, way down the road, farther than we'll ever reach, we do see them again. Um, I think Avengers 300, which is like an anniversary issue. And so Loki's in it and the Isle of Silence is in it and the silent ones are in it. So it's kind of like, you know, a, a callback. But then after that, they show up more times. It is from these trolls that the Earth legend of the old man of the sea was born. I don't even know what that freaking legend is. I had the exact same reaction. So thank gosh it's not just me. I know the old man and the sea. I read that for school. Yeah, I don't think the that's old a- man of the sea. So let me read it right now. In book four of Homer's Odyssey. Some guy named Mumma recounted to his journey home and how he had to seek the advice of the old man of the sea. The old man can answer any question if captured, but capturing him means holding on as he changes from one form to another. So so and so captured him and during the course of questioning asked if blah blah blah's father Odyssey Odysseus was still alive. So it's something about holding. That seems very loose and weak and probably not what is actually inspired that story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with trolls and everything to do with the fact that these trolls can hold things really well, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they do seem to really like hugging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thor Thor hammers them away. Hammers them away. And then he uses his magnetism to suck back the metallic Loki. Because um, that makes but sense. We get, we get another uh, fake Loki image that he swings his hammer through. Yes. And I, I could just hear Loki from the movie saying, 
someday you think he learned about, you know, not fall yeah. for that or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's all cool. He hasn't done that yet. His whole illusion thing. I do like that he makes himself appear like in eight different places and Thor just knocks all eight of them over at the same time. I like when they do that. Like, I think that happens in Flash a lot with like Mirror Master. Uh-huh. It's just like, fine, I'll just punch all eight of you. Like, <laughs> who cares? Right. <laughs> and it's, I think he actually did that in the movie too. Like, he had a big hologram. He did like the first Thor movie, a bunch of him, different versions of himself. And then Thor just like hit the rainbow bridge and they all fell over. So, yeah, that, that whole like uh, multiplying yourself thing doesn't work when you're dealing with a powerhouse, I guess. No. But you mentioned how he uses his magnets to like, you know, push uh, to get Loki. And I like to think that he's being pulled by his helmet and his chainmail shorts. Okay. Let's go with that. Head cannon. Cool. But that also and, means he has the power of magnetism now. Oh, yeah. Yeah. With his, with it. Well, his hammer can do anything, right? Mm-hmm. So I finally figured out that Loki's ponytail on his helmet is fake. Loki does not actually have a ponytail. For some reason, he has a horse butt on his helmet. Where'd you figure that out? It's supposed to be a horse tail. I don't know why that's supposed to be scary. Where did that come from? But Loki's hair is... Well, in, in, in his helmet, he has a ponytail. And I've, I've always wondered, ever since I started like examining these comics back on Avengers Inspirations, yeah. like, is that really his hair? Well, where does it say or it's not? Is, uh, other pictures of Loki from very soon after this, he changes his helmet. Oh. And he just has – he doesn't have a ponytail. The only time he ever has a ponytail or a long hair is in this helmet. Okay. So I don't know why, but he does. Iron Man versus Thor. Car fight. Car garage or manufacturing plant. That was actually pretty cool too. Versus Hulk. But yeah, yeah. It was really, really cool. Yeah, I'm sorry. Versus Hulk. Yeah, yeah. Each hero gets a chance. Like this book showcases each hero. And I'd never realized it until reading it for this show is that, you know, in the JSA comics – and in the early JLA comics, they would splinter off and each do a separate chapter of the story. Mm-hmm. This does that, but doesn't like it. It keeps it feeling natural and organic. Mm-hmm. But Ant-Man faces the Hulk in the circus. Iron Man faces the Hulk in the car factory. And Thor faces the Hulk briefly and faces Loki more extensively. I like that the Hulk like throws this whatever car part at him, the Johnson rod or something, and like – Iron Man can actually not only take it, but then he crumples it up and turns it into his own thing and throws it back at him. That's that pretty cool. That was a really cool move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, yeah and then it kind of just ends like – if my one criticism of this issue maybe is that they don't actually work together as a team hardly at all. No, they don't. It's like this one last page and it's just like, oh, Loki was the bad guy. Okay. Well, let's throw him in this oven thing. That's just is here. The end. Let's all be a team. Okay. That seemed a little – thrown together i was reading a, actually you know what it feels like it feels like the end of the fantastic four movie mm-hmm. where they're like hey we're yeah. a team we need a name yeah it's and, exactly like that and even in that movie they didn't work together till the last 10 minutes so right i was reading a thing um when i was doing research for this issue in sort of this era where it's it's much later it's and henry pym is thinking about his early days as a member of the avengers and he describes their first adventure that happens in Avengers one and a half. Mm-hmm. And his phrasing is it was our first outing as a team. And so this first issue, he, he's explicitly, you know, excludes from being them as a team. Okay. Well, that's good. <clears throat> so yeah. The, uh, so in universe reading of it is the same way that we're reading it. Yeah. The, the thing I didn't like about the ending is the, that we lose our location. 
because we are in a car factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or a tire factory. Mm -hmm. uh, A huge auto factory is what the narration calls it. They fall out of the wall because Iron Man knocks Hulk through a wall. They're standing outside of that factory. Thor shows up. And then suddenly they're in some location where a horde of ants swarms over some nearby switches and Loki falls through a trapdoor into a furnace where um, it says where the trucks which carry radioactive wastes from atomic tests dump their loads for eventual disposal in the ocean. In the trapdoor? In the furnace. No, but why is there a trapdoor? That doesn't make sense uh, either. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess they could dump it down the trapdoor in, in, in the chute into the furnace. Okay, is that supposed to be a chute? I guess that's a chute. Okay, yeah. I thought it was just open doors, but no, that's a chute. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Because I thought he was falling down a hole and then somehow magically falling into the front of the whatever that thing is. He's falling down in one panel and sideways in another. We don't know <laughs> yes, <why. laughs> yes, but it looks now that I'm looking at it again, he's, fa- he's falling through a chute. So, okay, so the trucks come in, they open that hatch. They apparently have like a like a raised bed situation where it slides it into this hole and then it goes into that thing. And I guess if you're in an auto factory, you need to dump your radioactive waste from atomic tests. I, I that's I guess the, all we could say is maybe that's next door because they did go through the wall. I don't know. That's like an maybe. odd city planning, but okay. But yeah, so then they all come together and. Um, they talk about working as a team. They ask the Hulk, and the Hulk's response is that he's sick of being hunted and hounded. I'd rather be with you than against you. So whether you like it or not, I'm joining the – and then they figure out they need a name. Yeah. So, yeah, they, again, the Hulk's response to being hunted and hounded is not to go back to being Bruce Banner, but to keep on being the Hulk. And they didn't ask him. He just decided to join. And who were they to say no, I guess? Which maybe helped explain why he's not there very long. Yeah. Yeah, this team is okay, but it feels like it needs some sort of unifying force. And I can't quite put my finger on what that would be, but. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure we'll. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure we'll find a a star of this team eventually. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. But all in all, pretty cool issue. Yeah, it's it's Marvel's premier superhero team. Mm Mm-hmm. We got the Hulk back from Limbo. We're not going to keep him very long, but like I said, we're going to basically keep tabs on the Hulk for the next year. And yeah. He'll be a villain pretty soon. Hulk, dun, 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 dun. you'll be a villain <laughs> soon. Speaking of villainy. Are Speaking we done? of villainy. Are we done with Avengers 1? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, the, I don't have any other thoughts. I was going to mention again that they use everyone really well except for the Wasp, but we've already S- said that a few times. Speaking of the Wasp, I want to jump back in time to last episode. And, uh-huh. and point out something I totally forgot to point out. In a caption, they call them X-Men and, oh, yeah, Jean Grey. So that's weird. Did they really? The X-Men be- and Jean because Grey? Because she's not a man, so she can't be an X-Man. She's got to be oh. separate, I guess. See how often they do that. But anyway, um, we're going to move forward instead of backwards. Sorry about that. And we'll go to Tales to Astonish number 48, which is an Ant-Man and the Wasp story, where hopefully the Wasp is used more. And it's called... Ant-Man and the Wasp defy the porcupine. Um, and, and it's done by Stanley and Don Heck again. So that's cool. So we start out at an army ordinance plant. Not to be confused with a radiation plant, I guess. And there's a guy there named Alex Gentry or Gentry. Either way. I was going with Gentry. Yeah. I'll say Gentry too. It flows better. And he has just developed 
the next best thing to the Iron Man costume. He calls it the porcupine costume. And it looks like a porcupine because it's got all these like little tiny like quill looking things, but they're not really quill things. They're like little pipes that he could shoot out any kind of chemical he wants from them. And he would look like a big cuddly bear, except for the part where he puts on a really scary gas mask to make sure that he himself doesn't succumb to any of these gases that the armor might shoot out. Um, and he's upset because he works for that plant and therefore whatever he invents pretty much is owned by the plant and he's not going to get any fame or fortune or glory like Tony Stark would for inventing this new awesome armor that he created for the military. If at best he might get a raise in 10 years, he thinks. So what's he going to do? Well, I'm going to become a supervillain. I'm going to steal it and I'm going to use it to become a supervillain because that always works out so well for everybody. So meanwhile, we cut to probably the next day or later and Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne as their secret identities or as their actual identities, however you want to put it, are going to a new bank opening because it's got a security system that's designed by Hank Pym. You know those biophysicists and their <laughs> you know, bank security hobbies. Yeah, it's an AI program he calls Ultron. So uh, the owner of the bank or the manager of the bank, he's there making like a speech telling everybody exactly how the security system works because that's what you want to do to, you know – keep bank security systems on the down low and in watch the porcupine and they're all like hey i don't think you're supposed to be here weirdo but he is supposed to be there because he's trying to rob a bank and it's a bank so he tries to rob a bank and everybody panics and they all get bottlenecked at the door and nobody can get out and the porcupine is just like shooting gases and i think he shoots like cement or something like that and everybody's panicking and going crazy and hank manages to drag janet into the office where he closes the door and does the whole fire drill thing, stuffs like rags and stuff under there so the gas doesn't get in. And um, boy, I think the porcupine just gets away with it. And then like Hank's ants follow the porcupine back to the ordinance plant so he knows where his home base is and they tell Hank. Hank takes uh, Janet home because this entire issue, she hasn't been feeling well for some reason. So he puts her to bed. And then he goes after the porcupine on his own because, after all, he's always been a superhero well before she was. So he doesn't need her. So he shows up. But somehow the porcupine was waiting for him and springs a trap and beats him up, essentially, in his tiny form. Takes, robs him of his helmet and his gas uh, canisters and tosses him in a bathtub full of water. And he's like, I'm going to go rob another bank. When I come back, I'll presume that you're dead or drowned or whatever. So he leaves. Janet wakes up meantime and wonders where Hank is. So for the first time ever, I think, she uses his ant uh, ant cave, ant computer, whatever you want to call it, cerebro thing, puts it on her head. I was going to say it's ant cerebro. Ant cerebro and like asks the ants where Hank is and they tell him, they tell her. So she goes over there as the wasp and she has the ants like create a ladder for him to get out of the bathtub. And then he's like, quick, before the porcupine gets back, let's like make a trap. So they find all the... The cement or whatever, the quick drying cement. Li liquid cement. Liquid yep. cement. And they put it in these bags and they line it all the way around everywhere. And then when the porcupine walks in and goes, hello, Hank, are you dead, I hope? And like they all jump on the bags, including the ants somehow. And it like pushes the liquid cement all over the uh, porcupine and, um, you know. He basically just gets splooged until <laughs> he can't take it anymore. Right. And then that's it. 
And then he, oh, he gets away though. I think he like jumps out the window and flies away or something. And uh, yeah, some of his little tubes are jet tubes. Yeah. And then uh, that's the end. I think Jan and Hank have a fight over, over like, oh, he's like, I have a surprise for you when you get home. And she's like, really? Like a jewelry or a ring or something a girl would like? And he's like, no, here's some antibiotics. And she's like, I hate you. And he goes, oh, you love me. Or something like that. Or you're a female. You can't make her happy. The end. So this is the last Ant-Man story. It's the last Ant-Man story. And it's kind of a... Um, it's kind of a weirdie. It's okay. I, I, there are some parts about it that I like. I actually really... I don't like the way the story treats Jan. No. But I really like Jan in the story. If that makes sense. I think this is the first time... Well, not the first time, but I feel like maybe between because this is a back-to-back with Avengers that it feels more like they're putting her in a corner again. Mm-hmm. Like that first issue, she was kind of like just along for the ride. But then after that, she's been pretty cool. Yeah. And even now, Last even issue. now, she saved him. So that was cool. But then there's all this business where like, Hank, don't you love me? Love me, Hank. And then everybody else is hot and uh, she just wants a ring and blah, blah, blah. So that's kind of weird. Um. Last issue, whenever they were overwhelmed by the music, mm-hmm. Ant-Man was able to uh, figure out how to deal with it, and the Wasp was succumbed. Mm-hmm. So Ant-Man had to save the day there. Here, she's sick. Mm-hmm. So whenever stuff starts going down, she can't participate. And he goes off and does it on his own. But she does get to save him, right. which is really cool. So I wonder if the sick thing was just a plot mm-hmm. device to get her separated from him so that he, she could save him. Which, you know, I'll buy that. If... Especially if it were – if her getting sidelined were an exception here instead of mm-hmm. – uh, like I say, it kind of is. She hasn't, she's, she's done pretty well. Um, the same story I mentioned earlier where Henry Pym was remembering his early stuff in the Avengers. There's also a line where he's talking about Jan and he's like, you know, in, in the current day, she's no longer the young woman who loved me so much. Mm-hmm. And that has really kind of colored how I've read this issue. Jan is super crushing. Oh, yeah. Jan really likes Henry. And she's, you know, she's a young woman. She's 20, 21, whatever. And she really likes this guy. And I feel like this issue is where he really starts to feel that there might be something in response. Where he He starts to notice that. Yeah, he starts to feel like maybe he likes her, too. So, like, Um, so, like, the first issue with her in the end, she was kind of like, he's so dumb. He totally loves me. But I'll just back off till he figures it out. But she hasn't really backed off. She has, though. She she hasn't been as obnoxious as she was in this issue, I don't think. Oh, no, you're right. You're right. And But in this issue, she's declaring her affection for him more than she ever had before. Yeah, like he – Except for that first Like he checks her pulse and she's like, I thought you were going to hold my hand or, you know, are you going to buy me jewelry or rings or whatever? And then also she seems to go out of her way to comment on any cute boy, although that may be in Avengers. I don't know. I guess it's not in this issue. But, but. And, and she she could be trying to make him jealous. Yeah. That's definitely something she does. Trying to get a rise out of him by making him jealous. Exactly. And it's not the best move, you know, for a relationship dynamic, but it's definitely a Janet kind of move. And, and she is um, young. Yes. Young and impetuous, mm-hmm. which is great. And, um, and never mentions her dead father. It's weird. Just thought of that right never now. Mentions her, I just thought of yeah, that. Yeah, I don't. Anyway. I don't even know if we're ever going to get that dead father mentioned again or Maria. Maria or the dead father. <laughs> right, They're Maria. Both, oh, my God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So um, at the end of the story, whenever um, Henry Pym brings her the medicine, 
and says, I have a surprise for you. I decided to read that as Henry is actually trying to do a gesture, mm-hmm. like a caretaking, like a what, what he sees is maybe something proto-romantic. And it's medicine to help her feel better. And he thinks that's a good thing to do to make the girl happy. Yeah. And it doesn't go the way he expects it to. And so I like his little last statement, like, like I always say, you can't please a female. I took that as sincere. Like, I was just trying to make you happy. And it didn't quite work out, did it? I mean, he didn't want her to go to begin with because she was sick. Right. Right. Um, and he's taking care of her and everything. But um, And um, yeah, I don't know. The porcupine is kind of weird. I He's one of those ideas that sounds interesting, but doesn't really work if you try to think about it. Well, his costume gets better, and it isn't just about pipes shooting gas anymore. Eventually, he'll actually shoot quills, which is kind of a no-brainer. So why they didn't figure that out already. Right. um, I know the porcupine from Captain America because because he went – he was so – upset about being a failure as a villain that he went to try and sell the Avengers his suit. And Cap's like, hey, I've been trying to take down the Serpent Society. Do you know who they are? And he's like, yeah, I, I can get contact with them. Okay, so why don't you call them and tell them you've captured me and we'll we'll stage a trap. And like that doesn't quite – it does sort of work, but at the same time, the porcupine ends up also getting in the fight with them and he dies. And he ends up – like his suit ends up in the Avengers mansion for the longest time as, an, as a quote-unquote honor, honor, honorary foe of the Avengers or something because he died helping Captain America. So, oh, so Gentry dies. Yes. Spoilers. I was thinking about how old he is in this. Spoilers in the 80s. He gets killed by uh, – <clears throat> or he falls on his own quill actually. So that's even sadder. Mm. Like one of them was poisoned and he falls on it fighting Diamondback, I think. But anyway, yeah, so he starts out bad and he ends up bad and the ent- his entire life is pretty much like, you know, one big failure after another. And unlike Dr. Doom, he actually recognizes it at some point. I really had very little else to say. Mm-hmm. Um, most of my notes are just little details about Jan's behavior. Um, like page seven going into page eight, whenever they're leaving the scene of the initial porcupine attack. Uh, she says, mm, it's worth being ill to have you hold me in your arms like this. Uh-huh. He says, poor kid, the fever's made you delirious. She replies, I'm not the one who's sick, sick, sick. What are you made of, stone? And he replies, stop talking like a child. This is no time for sweet nothings, not with the porcupine at large. And that was where I took that as like, she's actually really coming on to him and he doesn't know how to respond. Yeah. Maybe it's because he's still upset about Maria Maybe it's because he doesn't trust his feelings with this young woman yet, or even understand his feelings. But anyways, well, I don't want to keep harping on the Henry Jan thing. I just passed that as I was going through the comic here. Well, remember that she looks just like Maria, but she's too young for oh, him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so uh, he does, she never talks about her father again because Hank's her new daddy. And he never talks about his ex-wife again, or his dead wife again, because apparently that's just wasp now. Yeah. I don't like the idea of a, a male romantic figure being – well, I guess that's a thing now. I guess daddy is now a, a sexual term. Well, I didn't even mean sexually, just, you know, she's young and he's <clears> not, and she wants to have a relationship with him, and part of that could be, you know. I don't really think their age is that different, though. Well, he acts like it the is. More, he acts like it is, but the more I've read these comics, the more I'm thinking, he's like 25, 26. He's in his upper 20s, and she's in her, she's in her barely 20s. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that, sure, that's a, that's a gap, but she's not that young. One last thought I had, though, is the dog on page nine Mm -hmm. is named Alf. Okay. And is Alf a common dog's name? 
Have I gone through my entire life not knowing that the TV show Alf, he was named after a dog? <laughs> well, if it is, I never knew about it. I mean... I've never heard of Alf before Alf, so... Yeah, I, I, I'm really bothered if Alien Life Form was actually just a dog's name. Well, did they name him or did he name himself? I don't, I don't know either. He's from Melmac. That's all I know. Mm, short for Alfred. <laughs> and that's the last Ant-Man story. Uh, we're going to yeah. have, have a new change. Yeah. And this is issue 48. Hulk comes back in 60s. Like I said earlier in the episode, it's a one-year countdown. I can, I can only hope that the change is good for Jan because it makes her more unique. We will see. But we will see. she'll be the only small shrinky thing on Avengers now. Right. So she'll have that role, whatever that role is. I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't mean she gets sidelined again. But I hope so, we'll too, see. but we'll see. Yeah. All righty. So we're going to do one more comic this episode. And at this point, we're changing weeks. Everything we've talked about in the last two episodes was all in one week. From the Fantastic Four Annual number one, two episodes ago, until now. That was July 2nd. Yikes. Now, it's July 9th. Mm-hmm. And the earliest of our comics that takes place... In July 9th is Amazing Spider-Man number five. Let's talk about John's favorite for this month. <laughs> Actually, probably not. Yeah, I agree. Probably not. Um, if if the one time Spider-Man doesn't win is because he goes up against X-Men 1 and Avengers 1. Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time picking a favorite, but I think it's pretty easy to say that Spider-Man's not the winner this month. No. Not that it's bad. I just don't think this has as much um, gobsmacked you know, art joy that I usually have from Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Spider-Man is up against the Fantastic Four's arch foe, Dr. Doom. This is Steve Ditko drawing Dr. Doom. And I will talk more about that as we get there. Um, the cover page reminds us of all of our cast of characters. We got Peter Parker as Spider-Man. We've got Dr. Doom. We have J.J. Jameson as Secretary Betty Brant. She gets the first name. Flash Thompson, Liz Allen, the other Spider-Man, and the world's most fabulous super team, the Fantastic Four. Yay! Well, okay. they don't say Fantastic Four, so they really ought to start getting specific because they have three Fantastic Teams now. They, they really do. Anyway. All right. So we start out with um, J. Jonah Jameson doing a broadcast about Spider-Man being uh, a menace and how he's going to give a reward for the capture of Spider-Man. Doctor Doom hears this on the news. Gives us a flashback about how he was falling from the plane in Fantastic Four 17. And when he went below the cloud line and was lost to sight, his uh, jet belt kicked in. I guess he has a Legion flying belt. And he was able to fly to safety. Not to Latveria, because that doesn't exist yet, but to some other place. He uses the same trick the Chameleon used in issue one. He uses spiders inside devices to send a radio frequency message to Spider-Man's spider sense. And um, calling uh, Spider-Man, Peter, uh, Peter Parker is hanging out in his room, puts on his costume, goes swinging around, follows the signal, is like, hey, this is Dr. Doom. And Dr. Doom is like, yo, um, I'm pretty cool. Humanity's not. Humanity doesn't like you, so why don't you help me out? And we'll go against humanity. And Spidey's like, hey, that's not a bad idea. Not. <laughs> And um, so Spider-Man attacks Dr. Doom. Turns out it's a Doom bot. Real Dr. Doom steps in and says, ha ha ha, that was my robot. Spider-Man attacks Dr. Doom and um, falls out of a window. Doom blows up his entire base. 
and all the computers is porn stash and everything. And um, I probably shouldn't say that. We were asked to clean up our act a little bit. <laughs> oh, well. Oh, well. And he gets in the helicopter, flies away. Uh, Spider-Man takes pictures of the fire, goes to the bugle, sells them, um, sees J. Jonah Jameson's new secretary, Betty Brant, from last issue. And he's like, huh, she's pretty. Then um, Flash Thompson decides that he's going to dress up as Spider-Man and scare Parker. Oh, because there was a scene earlier whenever J. Jonah Jameson was broadcasting about Spider-Man. Um, we did see the gang. And Peter said some stuff against Spider-Man. And all of a sudden, he's like, dude, Spider-Man's awesome. You get out of here. You suck. We don't want to hang out with you anymore. So Peter goes, I was like, oh, I suck. So this is later. And Flash Thompson is putting on a Spider-Man costume. Doctor Doom, meanwhile, starts uh, scanning for Spider-Man. And sees Spider-Man walking through an abandoned alleyway. And uh, turns out it's Flash Thompson sneaking up alongside a fence to scare Peter when he comes out, you know, past the fence. And all the guys are like, <laughs> wait till he jumps out. <laughs> wait till he jumps out. Any second now, he's going to jump out. <laughs> yeah. Peter's almost gone. Why isn't he jumping out? <laughs> oh, he didn't jump out. Because Dr. Doom swung down and captured the fake Spider-Man. He sends out a message to all the TVs everywhere. I have Spider-Man. The Fantastic Four better face me. Or something like that. And uh, Peter Parker gets a phone call from Liz. And Liz is like, um, I think Flash is in trouble. He was um, dressed as Spider-Man to uh, trick somebody. And um, Peter's like, yeah. Flash Thompson's been captured by Doctor Doom. Great. That's fantastic. Oh. Maybe I should be a superhero, though. Gosh darn it. So he decides to be a superhero, and Aunt May's like, You can't go be a superhero right now, because Dr. Doom is on the news. It's very scary outside. Also, if you leave this house, you'll abandon me forever, and I'll die alone. And Peter's like, Oh, Aunt May, you will die alone, but not today. And um, he goes downstairs and um, turns off the power. Goes back upstairs. Oh, gosh, Aunt May. I guess we blew a fuse. I guess I'll have to go and buy a fuse. She's like, I'll die alone. Um, Peter leaves to go pretend to buy a fuse. He puts on his Spider-Man costume. Goes after Doctor Doom. There's a really cool extended fight sequence that I'm not going to narrate. Yeah. Um, And the Doombot comes out at one point. So he's fighting against Doctor Doom and a Doombot. Um, everything is going, you know, kind of evenly. Spider-Man's not really getting the upper hand. But then the Fantastic Car swings in. And Dr. Doom hears it. like, ah, I wasn't ready for them yet. And he runs off. Spider-Man's like, oh, okay. He's gone. And oh, crap, Aunt May. I gotta go save her. She might die alone. So he goes back home. Meanwhile, the fake Spider-Man Flash is like wandering through Doom's base. Hello. Anybody home? And the Fantastic Four show up. Like, look, it's Spider-Man. And Flash is like, I'm not Spider-Man. And the thing almost punches his face. And the torch is like, no, 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 that's not Spider-Man. I've faced against Spider-Man. He's built all different than this guy. This guy's puny. And um, Peter gets home. Aunt May went next door because she was lonely. Um, I think Peter Peter has some reason to go back to the bugle. But I think J. Jonah Jameson's mad at him because he doesn't have any Spider-Man picks. And uh, Betty says something about how Peter's wonderful. And Peter leaves there going, a girl likes me? (laughs) I like her too. My hormones are definitely working today. And uh, Flash is bragging about how he really showed Dr. Doom a thing or two. And Liz is like, ha, Peter, you suck. In the end. 
Yay. <clears throat> Another Marvel crossover. Yes. Uh, what you think? I kind of feel like it was like, what if Spider-Man and Doctor Doom fought? That'd be fun. And then that was the issue. I kind of feel the same way, actually. So um, it's not that it was bad. No. And the stuff that didn't involve Spider-Man was all really good Peter Parker, soap op- soapy drama stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the my favorite part of the issue, the two things, are the relationship between Peter and Betty – I feel like is our closest thing in the Marvel universe to a normal, natural growth of attraction and relationship. Yeah, because any other relationship we have <clears throat> already started or let's see, who do we have? We have a lot of unrequited relationships. We have, we have unrequited. We have Jane always mooning over uh-huh. Thor, but also not confessing to Don that she likes him and Don not confessing that he likes her. Right. Um, Jan really likes Henry, but Henry's not talking. And she's tired. Um, and she's tired of like waiting for him to figure it out at this point. Apparently, the stuff with Sue and Reed is uh. protracted and lengthy and doesn't. I mean, it's just kind of there. And then they're gonna be like, "Oh my gosh, we do love each other. Let's get married and have babies." Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, they're going on vacations together and stuff now, but yeah, but that that all seems awfully rushed too. Like, because three minutes ago they weren't even talking about anything. So, and we're really headcanoning a lot of that uh-huh. to kind of make it feel more natural. Yeah, this on the page. Mm-hmm. Last issue, zero mention of anything. This issue, they realize they're attracted to each other. It's going to be a couple more issues before either one of them acts on it. Yeah, and it's 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 going to be a thing, and I I, I like the growth there. Yeah. Uh, my my other second favorite thing is Flash Thompson dressing up as Spider Man and getting caught by dr doom i think that's fantastic so do you think as peter's walking down the fence line and dr doom's right on the other side that his spider sense was like i should warn my master if there's dr doom wait i think dr doom's gonna kidnap my master's least favorite person in the world i'll just shut up (laughs) and the spider sense decided to go back to bed right you're not in danger in fact this could really improve your situation so i'll just be quiet but it's funny because it calls Doctor Doom the Fantastic Four's arch foe, uh-huh. which you know. Well, they read the okay, comics, but I've read this so many times mm-hmm. with zero Fantastic Four, and it's just like Doctor Doom is their biggest bad. He's their main bad guy, and of course, you know, fifty years later, Doctor Doom is their main bad guy. But right now, in the comics we've covered, I just don't. I feel like his arch foe status is it could be Archer. I. You know, I think I would say, I mean, I don't know, because I have the hindsight, so it's hard to say without knowing all that stuff. But it's either him or Submariner, and I still feel like Submariner is not a full-on bad guy most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess if you're going to call anybody an arch nemesis right now, it would be Dr. Doom. But I just feel like he has, he could be a better character than he is. Like, for an arch foe, yeah. he's still not that great. Yeah, well, I guess we could say that about everybody right now, but... uh Probably. I do like that we get, again, how he survived, even though it was awfully easy and we called it, you know, when it happened. Because, of course, he could, he could <laughs> just fly. But I also like that we got how he survived in Spider-Man versus in a Fantastic Four book. So that's kind of different. Um, Liz has affection for Spider-Man. That's going to continue next issue. Mm-hmm. I feel like because she's so young – 
it's a lot more natural for her to be goo goo gaga over a celebrity than, say, Jane Foster over Thor. Yeah. But then he is a god. And it seems like that's kind of the shtick is like everybody thinks he's amazing. But Right. Um but yeah, she's a little crazy over him. But she did have a close encounter with him multiple times, so eh. And it's also Lois Lane and Superman. It is. Did you notice that Ditko's Doom mask doesn't emote? Um, I noticed, I think his mouth opens and closes, though, but I could be wrong about that. Hold on a second. No, it doesn't. It's always open. Yeah. It's always in that same trapezoidal shape. Yeah, that's good. I was, I had no problems with Ditko's Doom. Yeah. Um, Kirby's Doom mask moves. And, e- and Ditko's Doom mask doesn't. Even his Fantastic Four is as little, it's really funny because they tease us with the Fantastic Four throughout this entire issue. And I almost thought like we were going to get through the whole thing and never see them. And they're in one panel. But they are in one panel at the very end when they're going to pulverize Flash. And they don't look so bad in that either, but it's an awfully small panel. So how can you wreck it? Oh, there's a line in this. That may, oh, I need to tell a story. Okay, so whenever Flash is wearing the costume, he's like, the gals did a great job. Okay. Because, of course, you know, women so close, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I live in an apartment and our apartment has maintenance people. And whenever there's a problem, we just call and the maintenance people come out and they fix it. It's one of the great things about not living in our own house. Yeah. Um, when our garbage disposal got clogged up recently, they came out and he had a rough time getting unclogged. And at one point, I had to actually get a, a full on plunger and like plunge one of the sinks. Wow. And so after he's done, he's like, just so that, you know, before you start using this again for food and whatever, you should probably have your wife pour some bleach around it and like, you know, down the drain, everything and on the surfaces. Okay. And, and I was like, okay, I, I can do that. I don't need to have her do it. I'll do that. And the conversation went again. And again, he used the phrase, so just have your wife get some bleach. Think, as in you don't know where bleach is because you're a boy? Or that that's just her job. Well, it's, that's, like, that's, that's weird because it's plumbing related activity so you'd think he wouldn't think of it as her job but i think because it's yeah, because it's bleach how would you know where bleach is yeah it's bleach and it's the kitchen sink oh, obviously yeah, I, yeah. I don't know anything about the kitchen sink or about cleaning materials but my wife does so i mean yeah well it's it's good to know that stereotypes are still alive and well my wife actually likes to build things sometimes like she's made tables and stuff for us or she refinishes old furniture she finds, things like that. And so I can't tell you how many times I've been in that same situation, maybe in reverse even. Like, you know, they always just assume that I do something that I didn't do. <laughs> just- I actually did a similar mistake with my parents-in-law when I was younger. Um, I called my father-in-law to ask him if he had any power tools because I needed to do something. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, you're asking the wrong person. In this family, you want to talk to my wife about that. Yeah, Exactly. And, my, you know, my, my mother-in-law is an artist and a lot of her work is large and uses, you know, a bit more intense levels of, of activity. And she needs power tools for her art. Um, so anyways, yeah. I don't remember what, um, what, 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 what made us go down this path. You were. The gals uh, sewing the costume. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I wanted to bring out in this. Oh, yeah. Strange Tales rears its head. Okay. Because Spider-Man is using his spider sense to go up and down the city. Oh, yeah. And wait for a tingle that shows there's the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And we just saw that in Strange Tales Annual 2. That's going to be their new go-to for how he finds things. <gasps> and speaking of that, there's the panel on page, I can't read, 12? Uh-huh. The first panel. He says, he does the Iron Man prep thing, right? 
I get it better. Checking his equipment. Give my equipment a safety check. Let's see. Plenty of web fluid, Spider-Man light beam okay, mask on squarely. And at first I was like, okay, whatever, that's cool. But then I realized he lost his web fluid in issue two. His mask fell off last issue from a punch. <gasps> so he's actually in continuity like checking to make sure that he's all ready to go this time. Oh, yeah. And see, I just saw it when I was there. I was like, oh, that's a pretty good you know thing to do is uh, safety check all your equipment. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's like actually thinking back about stuff that's happened recently and he's learning from his mistakes, that's a cool way to read that. Well, the mask on securely line was what really th- – that's, I think, what got me to notice it because I'm like, who, who says mask on securely? Why would he care about that? Oh, his mask fell off. Or I guess it, the I guess it ripped, but still, that was odd. Still. Kind of odd. He must not have had it on securely. Random thought while we're on the page and he's canvassing the city. He goes past the telephone company, which has a giant telephone on top of its building. <laughs> Wow, how very Arkham. Right. Or, uh, you know, Gotham, I mean. Um, um, yeah, so I have a feeling, like like you were saying, I think that's going to be how he finds bad guys for a good while, probably. It's like, well, I know, yeah, I know they're somewhere between 1st and 350th Street, so I'll just walk around until my spider sense goes off. <laughs> there is so much New York, though, Mike. It is so I know. big. He's going to come across so many burglars and weirdos and drug users and stuff. And, you know, he's just, like, going up and down, like – Okay, five blocks up. Let's go over two blocks and go five blocks back down. Well, in this one, what did he say? In this one, he said Doom is going to need a tremendous amount of electrical power, or he did need it to take over the network. Right. So So going to places that would use a lot of power, which is why he goes to the telephone company, because a lot of power is going to go through that. uh Uh-huh. So So at least he's doing some strategic searching. Yeah. But still. Yeah. It's not like trying to find him at the clown factory, I guess. Uh, right, or going down a list of places where he's been seen previously to see if he shows up let's there Let's see. Where's the latest abandoned clown factory? I wonder where the Joker is. Um, I didn't really love this fight. You said it was like exciting. I kind of felt like it was, oh, yeah, look what I could do. Oh, yeah, look what I could do. Oh, yeah, look what I could do. And it just kept going and going and going. And also, like, most of Dr. Doom's attacks were based on, like, traps that he had set mm-hmm. versus just cracking his knuckles and taking a swing or shooting him or – Right. Because he, he's essentially Iron Man himself. So he should be able to just – I mean, in the end, they start wrestling and that was cool. But uh, – Maybe Dr. Doom is still getting used to his own Dr. Doominess. Could be. Or maybe as a villain, he likes to do tricky stuff instead of just confronting someone directly. And he does pull out his finger gun almost immediately, but Spider-Man jams it with web fluid. So he has to get other stuff going on. Yeah. I- but speaking of his webs, Spider-Man does some web constructions here. Now, my, I, I haven't been thinking about this as I've been going, so unless there's something I'm forgetting, I don't think Spider-Man's been doing a lot of web constructions. Yeah, I don't think he has either, and it's kind of wonky, but I guess that's a thing he it, does. It is definitely a thing he does, and you're not the only one who doesn't like it. I know our, our friend Jeffrey Taylor hates web parachutes. That really um, makes no sense. <laughs> also, a web shield holding up falling ice. That does not make any sense. The web shield that, is weird. The web column is weird. I don't mind the web like grenades that he does or whatever. That's kind of yeah. okay. But um, I think this is our first time to do really big web constructions. The one thing about the fight that always sticks out of my mind is that disintegrator beam with like all the tendrils around the mm-hmm. big major beam. Mm-hmm. And I think what helps make it stand out my fi- in my mind is when he throws the chunk of metal at it and the chunk of metal gets disintegrated. You know what else is cool? When he throws Doombot at Doom. That's kind of funny. Throwing a Doombot at Doom is pretty great. It's pretty awesome. That's a great strategy. Um, on page 19, Doom throws some sparkly flakes 
I didn't know that he had that power. Evidently, his dandruff flakes are explosive flares. That's pretty great. I mean, with all the burn scars and everything, he probably has a lot of flaky skin. And he's, he's found a way to weaponize that. And I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, they really don't say what that is, do they? They just call it... No, but just flakes. Little flakes. Okay, well... Flakes. You know, Iron Man keeps a plethora of things in his belt. Why can't Doctor Doom, I guess? Flakes. <laughs> that man. keep saying Yeah, flakes. <laughs> Oh no, Doc- Doctor Doom Flakes. Hey, that sounds like a cool cereal. <laughs> Doom Flakes. <laughs> Vitamin enriched Doom Flakes. <laughs> it'll burn it'll burn your eye out, kid. <laughs> um I love the uh the classic fantastic car flies to save the day. Uh-huh. I can just hear that old sixties theme. Fantastic. It's cool, and I like their role in the story because, like, it's almost like the story is not big enough for them. So, you know, they do show up, and it's already all taken care of. But hey, who did it? We don't know. Shrug. Oh, it looks like spider webs were here. Okay, surprise, Spider Man. But like, I don't know. They have uh, bigger things to do than deal with Flash Thompson. So from their from their perspective, Spider Man is just this like elusive guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, the torch was sent after Doctor Octopus, and then Spider Man is like. Got him. And they, they come after Doctor Doom and Spider-Man's like already gone. Well, the, the whole plot of the story revolves around the idea that nobody understands Spider-Man because Doctor Doom legit thinks that he can get him to work with him. Yeah. So we're at a stage where Spider-Man's so mysterious that maybe J. Jonah Jameson is right about him. Right. I love the idea that our main character that we see all the time is a huge mystery that no one else understands. Mm-hmm. And they and they hardly ever see. But they'll understand eventually. Because I doubt, like, now Dr. Doom would assume that he could convince Spider-Man to help him. No, no. Um, and actually, Dr. Doom and Spider-Man, they're not going to face each other again for a couple of decades. So Eric Larson? Um, or before that? I feel like Eric Larson and Dr. Doom. Eric Larson drew a Dr. Doom Spider-Man story I read or something. Yeah, and there's a big cover that has, like, his eyes pe- – that might be Bagley. No, one of Eric Larson's last issues before Bagley came on, like 350 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is an annual okay. in, like, around 1980 Okay, that happens before that. Between the annual and that Eric Larson story, I don't know if there's very much. But the, the, the annual around 1980 is the next time I know about. Well, by the Eric Larson story in the 90s, Doctor Doom gets a lot tougher. Yes. I'm pretty sure he, like – kick spider-man's butt in like three panels or something like that if i remember correctly he's just like not really an issue but that's different all right so does Um, that end the month no no we have another episode for this month this is a huge month mike we still have to talk about millie the model and patsy heady and patsy walker right and patsy also maybe eventually eventually iron man and the torch wait a minute patsy heady patsy and heady annual wow Oh, they got an annual this year. They did. Same month as their I did not know Patsy that. and Heaty number 90. But let's not talk I about that. I knew that Millie the Model, Millie Model had a second annual this year. Mm. So who do we have left? We have Human Torch, Fantastic. And Iron Man and the Fantastic Four. Oh, yeah. That's kind of a big deal. Okay. It is kind of. And it's, a, it's kind of a big deal story for the four. Yeah. So we're, we're not done yet, kids. And Iron Man gets introduced to a villain that is long lasting. Right. And an important character for the Torch comes into his solo story. Okay. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> no, no kidding. Kind of. <laughs> not, not the villain, but oh, like there's a character. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, the villain is a guy that 
sticks around too, sort of. But he's yeah, I wouldn't say yes, he's Plant great. Man is a, yeah, he he's a person. So yeah, we have we still have lots of good stuff ahead of us. Cool. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to Twitter and find out some names to call out and thank people for for following us while you tell them um, what they can do to win. Well, what you guys can do if you want to write into us. You can write us at podcast at makearsmarvel.com or you can head on over to our website, makearsmarvel.com, where you can find a contact form if you'd rather go that way. The website will also have pictures of all the stuff we're talking about every episode and it will have all the links to our the social media of your choice. Actually, we're down to three now. We're down to Google+, Twitter, and Facebook. I got rid of YouTube because no one was doing anything with it. I'd actually get rid of Plus too, but I read somewhere that it helps with like – Google searches, and that sort of made sense to me, so I'm keeping it. But, re- right. but really, Twitter and Facebook is where we're happening, seems like, as John will tell us all in a second. Uh, what else can you do? There's an RSS feed. Oh, you can like go to iTunes and leave us reviews. I haven't checked if you've all done that lately. I'll just assume that you're all being good boys and girls and doing that. But uh, I'm going to check after this episode, so we'll see. Okay. Um, our followers We've got quite a few. Um I know I mentioned Relatively Geeky, mm. the Relatively Geeky Podcast Network, so I'm pretty sure that was the last one I mentioned. Fire and Water Network follows us now. Oh. That's the uh, yeah. network of podcasts about, from- About Human Torch and Submariner, right, right. Rob Kelly, Human Torch and Submariner. <laughs> that, <laughs> they will come after you. They will ask you for your address. That is what we are- You're sticking to sticking it. to it. So Rob Kelly and Shag Matthews started that network of podcasts years ago. It has blossomed into quite a collection of shows. Uh, so you should go and check that out. Twitter handle is at FW Podcasts. We have Anime Freaks TTF, which is um, an Anime Freaks anime nostalgia podcast on the Two True Freaks Network. Uh, Helios Rising. That's Chris underscore Margs. He's an author. Of the dark fantasy novel The Last Apostle. Okay. So he's following us now. Thanks for the thanks for the follow, Chris. Levi Hunt at Levi Hunt MT. Uh, he's a general comics and sci-fi movies, and also like you, he likes the sports stuff. He uh, is an NBA fan. Mm. That means and he that means basketball for those who don't know. Yeah, for for all of you untrained out there, he uses a phrase in his, prescri- his prescription his description that I often use about myself. He says. I like liking things. Uh-huh. That's me. I like liking things. The Marvel Watch um, has followed us, and they recently retweeted a, a new episode, and they said that they were had often been contemplating doing something like this pro- this podcast project, and now he's like, thankfully, I don't have to because they're doing a good job of it. So thank you, Marvel Watch, or the Marvel Watch. That's why we did it. Yeah, we have Joel from SD uh, San Diego. Thank you for following us, Joel. We have Avengers Historian, which is at Chris J. Russ. So if you want some Marvel history, go over there. And a podcast called Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop. Oh. Um, their, their Twitter handle is at Gal Walks. And the concept is that Bob knows comics. Barbara has never read them in her life. And they podcast about it weekly. Fun. At this point, the show is kind of new. It looks like their latest episode might be episode seven. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's a fun, co- uh, co- uh, podcast idea. If you want to go check that out. All right. Do we know who Rebus O2 is? Yes. That's our friend Al Sedano. Okay. Well, Al Sedano gave us a review on iTunes cause I lied and I checked it now instead of waiting until after the show. Oh, that's so, right. So thanks Al. 
Now we are two. Um, uh, two. Two whole reviews. Okay, well, so next time, finish out July, some Fantastic Four, some one of the Fantastic Four with the torch, and some Iron Man. And until Doctor Doom goes from being the Fantastic Four's arch foe to being Spider-Man's main villain, like in a cartoon or something. Make ours marvel. Marvel.